0: 50 days until football is back, and we are talking fantasy focus here. Liz Loza, Daniel Dobb. Today's show is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico. See all the ways that you can save Liz. They loved us so much last week. They said we have to run it back and do it again. I hope you're all right doing a second show with me now.
1: I am thrilled to do a second show. This is going to be a great week. This is going to be a great show. I've already, I mean, it's a balmy but breezy 90 degrees in SoCal. Wow. I am loving it.
0: What is a balmy and breezy 90 degrees feel like? I, that, nothing <sighs> about that sounds good at all. It reminds me of the, the season's conversation that we were having on Twitter a little earlier this week. Field weighed in on what he believes the proper order of the season ranking is. I want to know as a SoCal girl, how do you fall in on this?
1: Well I bet first of all that Field placed fall number one because I can just imagine him with a nice Burberry scarf around his neck. I'm gonna look it up and Um, find out. I don't think he did. Oh, okay. Well I like spring, then summer number two, fall number three, winter a dead last for me.
0: Winter dead last. That makes no sense whatsoever. I guess you're from California, so maybe that's what it's all about. But uh, No, I
1: grew up in Chicago and it ruined me.
0: Oh yeah, you did grow up in Chicago. What's wrong with you? Why did you do that then? I don't understand. I grew up from Michigan, so like my top seasons are fall and then spring, and then winter, and summer is dead last. Because summer is just the worst. It's so hot all the time. It feels like there's just this heat everywhere I go. I'm drenched in sweat. Every time I open up my arms, you see these stains underneath me because it's so (laughs) hot everywhere. Don't have to worry about that when it's winter. That's all I'm saying.
1: That just means that we need to get a nice deodorant sponsor for the show. That's exactly what it is.
0: That's what we got to work on. I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, Speaking of, Liz, these T-shirts that I wear every day, we had a little bit of a back and forth. I I hang my T-shirts, and apparently that is weird. All of my band T-shirts, that's all I own is T-shirts. I don't have a lot of button-up shirts, so my shirts that go in the closet on hangers are these guys, my T-shirts. Do you hang T-shirts, or do you fold them and then put them in a drawer in a dark spot so that you never see them again?
1: So, first of all, I don't hang my T-shirts. That's super weird. And also, then you get those little shoulder bumps if you hang them the wrong way. So, I yes, I fold. I don't just fold. I am so type A that I three-fold Marie Kondo style and then stack them in a drawer so that I can see when I pull them out which one I would like to wear.
0: Do you not have any of those lines, those fold lines when you pull them out? Because that's what I'm always worried about is you got those fold lines in your shirt.
1: You know, mm-hmm. that is an excellent counter to the shoulder nubs, but I just shake it out. like.
0: Cool. I, I love it. All right, there's nothing wrong with <laughs> that. Uh, we are here to talk about some football. I'm really excited. We're going to jump into a bunch of different things. We're going to talk about the biggest questions that we have in fantasy, a few different topics that we're going to dive into, but I feel like a lot has happened since we talked last week, last Wednesday, Liz, DeAndre Hopkins, finally... Finally picked a team, so we can talk in like real numbers where we think he, uh, what he's going to look like within fantasy this year. Signs with the Tennessee Titans, not my favorite spot for him to end up. Like it's not bad, but like there's a lot of better offenses I would have loved to seen him on. But with DeAndre Hopkins now officially a Tennessee Titan, how are you approaching him come draft season?
1: He's a top twenty fantasy wide receiver for me. Uh, in that, you know, I would say wide receiver seventeen to twenty, depending on how excited you are about the Titans' offense. Um, range. This is a player who, like you mentioned, right? We'd like to see him in maybe a more explosive offense, but the benefit, the silver lining, if you will, of him landing in Tennessee is he is the undisputed number one. Oh, yeah. This is a player who has commanded around a 30% target share for the bulk of his career, and he's averaged around 17 fantasy points per game in three of his last four seasons. Obviously, like absences have affected his season-long stats, but we know he's going to be a ball hog. I think he's probably on pace for around 120 targets on the season. For reference, Chris Olave drew 119 looks last year and was the wide receiver 23 overall in fantasy.
0: Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins last year on a per-game basis was wide receiver nine after missing the first six games of the season. That includes a game with Trace McSorley where he had ten targets for one catch and four yards in the middle of the fantasy playoffs. And even with that, he was still a top ten wide receiver on a per-game basis. DeAndre Hawkins, I know he's 31 years old. I know that he's in a running offense right now, and it's not everything that I would want. But honestly, the, the dude is still going to be a, a – clear-cut, number one wide receiver. I have him as wide receiver 19. This kind of yep. brings the value of whatever that second-year bump of Treylon Burks was going to be. Like, that definitely lowers it for me. We talked on Twitter a little bit. Are you more on the Chigo Conquo bandwagon now with this move rather than the Treylon Burks? If you're going to grab another pass catcher, would you rather go tight end than the number two wide receiver here?
1: So I think overall rankings, I have Burks probably ranked higher, sure. right? Um, However, I do think Burks will probably end up with like a more robust stat line at the end of the year. I imagine he catch around three to four balls. There's some opportunities depending on health, et cetera. However, if we're looking at positional value as it relates to ADP and our drafts, then I would rather target Chig who's going later and has that really exciting up potential, right? Like Chig has the potential to completely outkick his ROI because he's so athletic and, and so special. I mean, he could really, really dominate in the red area of the field, which is what you want out of a tight end. So I think in terms of positional value, I'd rather go for Chig, but you know, the Twitter, the Twitterverse, like, did not like my lack of nuance in <laughs> my initial tweet
0: on no, that one. No, I'm totally with you. I, you're not saying that Okonkwo is going to have more stats than what Traylon Brooks no. is, but based on where the ADP is falling and how I'm going to go out and, and target these guys, I'd rather have the tight end in this position as well. So I'm with you on that. Don't worry about what Twitter says. I'm with you on that one, too.
1: Oh, I stopped worrying a long time.
0: Ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're we're going to talk about some running backs here. Quick note, Leonard Fournette working out with the Patriots today. Excited to see if there's maybe any movement there as we have a bunch of free Running backs, but Liz, we're not here to talk about free agent running backs. We're here to talk about running backs that say they want to hold out based on contract disputes and how that potentially is going to affect us in fantasy. Luckily, we're not drafting fantasy teams right now, but pretty soon we're going to have to be making decisions when it comes to these guys before we see week one. Am I going to invest in them or do I need to maybe look in a different direction? Understanding what the market looks like for running backs right now, and we're projecting this from a fantasy perspective, how are you approaching these holdout running backs?
1: So I did a little digging with the help of Kevin Pulsifer because I wanted to know, has holding out, has a holdout negatively or positively or not at all affected these running backs who participated in this in this way of getting themselves a different contract and the truth is here are the stats like here's some I think we have a graphic on it in fact here's actionable fantasy data that managers can use uh in the past 10 to 15 years approximately eight elite running backs have held out Two of them, Le'Veon Bell, who is not listed because of space and graphical reasoning, whatever, Le'Veon Bell and Melvin Gordon, those are the only two backs that missed actual game time. Nearly every single other running back, however, either uh, experienced a setback in production or missed time due to injury in the year of their holdout. The only exception was Alvin Kamara, who went ham on Christmas Day in 2020 and scored six touchdowns, obviously that one week bolstered his overall numbers so I am preparing for there based on the length of the holdout to be some regression for both Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs both of whom again who are in that second tier of running backs that means that I am personally right now today Seven weeks ahead of week one, prioritizing Bijan Robinson, Jonathan Taylor, and Derrick Henry. I know that's kind of like the place where people start to get big feelings. Mm-hmm. That I'm prioritizing those three running backs ahead of Barkley and Jacobs. I am expecting some regression because the data has proven that more times than not, that is what occurs.
0: Have you adjusted your rankings yet to actually move them down, or is that still pretty in line with what you had? Oh, you did. Okay.
1: I did. I have both Barkley and Jacobs just outside of my top five, but I didn't lower them. You know, like I don't have Ramondre Stevenson or um, Travis Etienne, both of whom are top 12 guys ahead of them. But both Barkley and Jacobs are just outside of my top five.
0: All right. And that's something that we're going to keep watching now through the entire yep. offseason because this is something that's going to have a major impact within the fantasy industry based on what these running backs do. Once we get into actual draft season, you're going to have to start making some decisions, so hopefully we get some news sooner rather than later just so we can have as much news as possible to give to you guys. Um, Liz, I think that's it before we dive into the biggest fantasy questions. Anything else from a news perspective? Do you want to bring in, I went to the dentist today. Any other non-fantasy oh. stories that you want to bring up before we dive in, head deep into all of our fantasy content? No? I think
1: I'm good. Yeah. That's oh, okay. Danny Ricardo is going to be racing ah. the in the Alpha Tori in Hungary. My boyfriend's
0: back, yo! That's really That's exciting. It. That's really <laughs> exciting. I just started getting into F1, but not enough. I, got, <gasps> I mean, and there's not enough time during the football season. It really needs to be an off-season project because there's just not enough time during football. Um, all right. My buddy named Cowboy Sam, I've talked about him a couple times on this show, uh, super stoked. Super stoked that Ezekiel Elliott no longer in Dallas because he's like, Daniel, Tony Pollard is just going to get so much work. He was uber-efficient last year. Mike McCarthy wants to do nothing but run the football. Should we be approaching Tony Pollard as though he's going to be a top-ten running back this season, Liz Loza?
1: I think the upside is there. But I think what's very important, now that you're mentioning Cowboy Sam, is that Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott are not the same running back. They do not have the same skill set. Tony Pollard cannot do the things that Ezekiel Elliott was consistently asked to do in Dallas. Tony Pollard is a versatile running back with, like, incredible burst and receiving ability. He regularly rips off runs over 15 yards. I think he had a a breakaway top five breakaway run rate, say that five times, (laughs) last year. And we know that he's a pass catcher, right? He averaged uh, 9.5 yards per reception last year. He also, but because of his, like, dynamism, which is something that Zeke had not much left of last year, he is a more efficient running back. So he averaged, Pollard averaged over 15 fantasy points per game despite carrying the ball just over 12 times per game. So you're expecting more yardage, but I don't think that means that he's going to carry the ball, like, 18 times a game. I think maybe, like, yes, it's a good point. McCarthy does not like to, quote, light up the scoreboard. So I think we can probably see three to five more carries or in that 15 to 17 top range for Pollard. So the top 10 potential is there, but we also have to remember, right, that he's coming off of a, a lower body injury that required a t- tight rope procedure mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I, I think Pollard and we've got the franchise tag situation as well. Big Ten. So It's a little bit complicated right now for, for Pollard, but ba- yes, I have him in my top 10, no, he is not an automatic got-to-have target because I think a lot of people are drafting him at peak
0: value. I think that's a fair way to put it, right? We're all excited about what Zeke could be in this offense. One of the things that I'm looking for, we know about his efficiency. You laid that out. We know about his pass-catching pass catching usage. 9.5 yards per reception was the number one running back in football on a, on a per-catch basis. So all that is not, you know, that I get. It's the workload. How much are they going to give to him? And what are they going to do with the goal line work? Because historically, and we don't even really need data to look at this, Zeke has obviously been the guy. Ezekiel Elliott has been the guy that they give the ball to when it's in a goal-to-go situation. Honestly, since coming into the league on the Cowboys, it is Ezekiel Elliott, and then it is Dak Prescott, and then Tony Pollard. With goal to go <clears throat> rushes. So like we're in a spot where I'm interested to see what is this goal to go situation gonna look like because that's how you really score fantasy points. As a pass catching running back and somebody that can get in the end zone, last year he had nine rushing touchdowns. So I'm interested to see the way that the Cowboys use Tony Pollard. And we're not even done because there's a lot of talk about how they could potentially add somebody else to this backfield that would obviously impact his value here if that's someone like Zeke or a Kareem Hunt or a Dalvin Cook. We'll see how that works out. But I'm with you, Liz. He is somebody that I see as a top 10 running back now. The upside is there. Sure, there's a chance that he could fall outside the top 10 at running backs, but there's a lot within that situation that really sets up for Pollard to take advantage of this.
1: Also, uh, just another situation that Adam Schefter reported this morning worth watching as it relates to this entire offense, and that's that uh, O-lineman Zach Martin is considering holding out because he wants more money. And we know how important the offensive line is to Dallas's unit. I mean, and that has been kind of a a centerpiece and a talking point for the Cowboys for, I don't know, my goodness, like up to five to seven years now.
0: So, oh, I'm going to say this, but don't, like, don't get mad at me for it, but... Offensive line is more important than running backs. And the idea of an offensive lineman wanting more money, I think, is a, is a bigger deal.
1: I, I didn't say it, and I am not a global economist, so I'm not going to weigh in.
0: If you decided that you wanted to look at the football position and take like the people out of it and be like, hey, this is just a business, and i got to keep my uh-huh. quarterback healthy... Those offensive linemen, I think, are more important to me than paying running backs. That doesn't mean that running backs shouldn't get paid. It has nothing to do with, like, that they don't deserve it or that they haven't earned it. I agree with all of those things. But, uh, like, in looking at it, I'm not an economist either, but I think the offensive line is pretty valuable. And when you have a bad offensive line, you can't throw and you can't run. So. Here's
1: something that I will just I will just say because there's been a lot of there's been a lot of math that didn't math out on the social medias right now uh, people just throwing stats around that don't make congruous sense. I will say this that the college game has created such incredible pass rushers and therefore the inventory of elite higher level pro ready linemen has diminished, making uh, you know, that there's a scarcity model. Right. So making those linemen more precious, if you will, more valuable, since there are fewer who can handle the level of pass rush that is now expected and regularly deployed at the professional level.
0: That's fair. I mean, when you have that kind of dynamicism, uh, how, what is, what's dynamism. the word? Dynamism. I dynamism. I like dynamism so much more. Let's make that a word. <laughs> Can we do that instead? Uh, I'm with you on that, though. I'm with you. All right. We'll keep moving on because this is not an anti-running backs conversation. I wasn't trying to say that. Uh, but, you know, it's, everyone's talking about it right now.
1: All I right. mean, I, you are bold, and I like the takes.
0: Let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals. DeAndre Hopkins, we just said, is now in <sighs> Tennessee Hollywood Brown was absolutely unreal to start the season last year. Hollywood Brown, top five in fantasy points through the first six weeks of the season. Here are a few stats. During that stretch, he led the NFL in routes, was wide receiver three in targets, wide receiver five in receptions, wide receiver seven in receiving yards. He was literally looking like the steal of the draft based on where he was taken and the volume that he was getting. But then he got hurt. Right. DeAndre Hopkins comes back and DeAndre Hopkins is not just an average wide receiver that you bring back into the fold. So Hollywood Brown definitely took a step back in that Cardinals offense. But without Hollywood being there, knowing that they didn't really add a whole lot other than a third round pick to this wide receiving core. How are you approaching Hollywood Brown? And is he someone that you believe can be a top 20 wide receiver this year? Or is that pushing it a little bit?
1: I think that's pushing it. I'm going to proceed with caution, mostly because, well, you ripped off all those stats, right? Like 10 and a half targets per game. I think, what did he have? Uh, He also, well, Hopkins was gone. He managed either a score or a hundred plus yard effort in four of six games, but he did all that. And here's like the giant glowing, blinging asterisk. He did all that with Kyler Murray under center. Mm -hmm. We don't know who the quarterback is going to be. I know Murray is like, My goal is to be on track for for week one. And and that is great. We all need goals. But he also sustained tears to his ACL and his meniscus in week 14. So I am not particularly excited about the potentiality of Uh. Colt McCoy. Leading this offense. Here's a fun stat. It's actually the opposite of fun, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. McCoy managed three starts in place of Murray last year. He failed to clear 250 passing yards through a single touchdown and averaged 6.3 yards per attempt for those three outings. Small sample size, sure. Certainly not one, though, that shows any sort of flash or bolsters any kind of confidence. Mm. I have I have Hollywood as a wide receiver three. I think that's probably a more realistic place based on what you're going to get from the quarterback.
0: I have the same spot, Liz. He's a low end wide receiver three for me right now, wide receiver 28. There's there's room for him to be top 25 with potential volume that he can get in that offense, right? But knowing that Colt McCoy is likely going to start this season, we're not going to know what that offense looks like. It's just not, you can't just copy and paste from last year and say, hey, the dude's going to do it again, right? So Looking at this situation, I'm interested to see because he's somebody that if you look at just that sample size, absolutely crushed it. It gives you a lot of reasons to feel optimistic. But without Kyler Murray under center, without having that quarterback that you can feel like, you know, facilitate all of these things for him again, feels like top 25 is is more of like the ceiling of what he's looking at rather than drafting him at, you know, probably where he belongs in that wide receiver. Yeah, and is he
1: durable range. enough to like hang on to? Like, yeah. The- Hollywood is a guy who's like dealt with issues for the bulk of for, for the length of his career even even in college right like I don't like to give anyone that injury prone designation because I I don't know I think it's a little in, a, a little overreaching sometimes but can he handle a wide receiver 1 workload knowing the defenses are going to fully key in on him on a regular consistent basis
0: that's another place of pause for yep. me yep yep that's fair All right, we're going to move ahead to the Kansas City Chiefs. Here is the question about the Kansas City Chiefs from me, Liz Loza. Last year, Travis Kelsey was Travis Kelsey, like he had been every year before that. But is there any other pass catcher in this offense that you think will deliver consistent value on a week-in and week-out basis for Patrick Mahomes and fantasy managers? Anyone not named Travis Kelsey?
1: You just said, can anyone not name Travis Kelsey produce on a consistent basis? And I think that is the key word, because as we saw last year, and by the way, as Patrick Mahomes warned fantasy managers specifically ahead of the season, he was going to spread the ball around when you don't have a Tyreek Hill who's demanding it and a Travis Kelsey who's demanding it, that means you're going to pick your spots. Uh, And that is exactly what he did. Here's a stat. There were eight instances in which a non-Kelsey pass catcher scored over 15 fantasy points for the chiefs last season. And the totals from those eight games were distributed among just three players, Juju Smith, Schuster, McCole Hardman, and Kadarius, Tony. Now two of those three guys aren't on the squad this year. It looks like sky Moore is going to play the slot and replace Juju uh, for in, in that regard. And then there's Kadarius, Tony, who's upside. We love who put on a show in the super bowl, right? Um, but can he stay healthy? Can he pick up where he left off? Does he have it within his ability? I think probably Tony, you know, he could probably average eight catches a game and maybe Sky Moore sees around, I'm sorry, eight targets per game and maybe Sky Moore sees around five receptions a game. But I have them both ranked outside of my top 40 because of the consistency issue.
0: Yeah. And that's really the rub here, right? I mean, because We watched Mm -hmm. MVS last year. There was no consistency within MVS's game. You know, Sky Moore, rookie wide receiver, waited to see what he was going to do. Mikkel Hardman never really took that step. Kadarius, Tony came in and did some things because we knew the talent that he had, right? Tony has been targeted on 29.5% of the routes that he has run in his career. That's seventh highest among NFL wide receivers. That's an awesome stat. That's incredible. Here's the bad stat, Liz. He's only played in 19 games in his first two seasons. He's missed 14 of them. He has run only 261 routes since entering the NFL. That is 247th most over that span. So you're telling me 246 people have run more routes in the league since Kadarius Tony came into it, and that ability to stay on the field, or actually his ability to not get on the field – is the problem that happens here, because if I am drafting Kadarius Tony, I feel like where he's going to drafts right now, I'm getting him at peak ceiling value with the idea that he's not going to miss as much time that I'm expecting him to miss this year. And it's hard. It's hard being a guy that says, hey, I'm just going to factor in five games missed when I don't do injuries. This isn't a thing that I I can project or prognosticate, but it just feels like every year it's that same problem. Some players just have this problem of being able to stay consistently on the field. And that's been Kendarius Toney to start the two years of his career. So you can take that dart throw. I understand that he, if we're picking anyone, he's got the skills over anyone else, probably in this offense, not named Travis Kelsey, to be the superstar that Patrick Mahomes can latch onto. I might rather have Sky Moore or someone else farther down that list because I don't want that ADP investment of Kadarius mm-hmm. Toney in spite of what he can bring to the table. Is that fair?
1: I don't think, yes. I don't think there's any doubt that Sky Moore's floor, especially if he were to fill the Juju Smith-Schuster role, is higher, right? I think Sky Moore is being severely devalued and people aren't really expecting him to play um, in the short to intermediate range uh, because he's pretty fast. Kadarius Tony, though, does have that incredible upside. He has those flash plays. That's why we're attached Mm -hmm. to him. That's why we like him. I will say, I don't think, my own personal opinion is that I don't think that his issues in New York stemmed stemmed slowly, uh, solely rather, from durability. I think there was definitely some culture stuff going on. And if there is a head coach who can massage a, let's say difficult, uh, player into action and motivate them. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes can certainly handle that. Um, you know, again, though he was, you know, he did have hamstring issues while he was with the chiefs, but I think I'm a little less concerned about that because New York is the giants had their own culture situation before Brian Dable came in. So, um, that being said, I agree with you. If you're looking for value here, like where was, I don't know the stat off the top of my head, but like where was Juju being drafted last year? Definitely not outside the top 50, right? And that's where you're finding Sky Moore right now. So there's incredible value on Sky Moore. And I think you just hit on an awesome, like not sexy play, but somebody who can certainly outkick their ROI. Kudos to you for that one, Daniel.
0: I appreciate that, Liz. Every once in a while, a blind squirrel finds a nut. That's what I was told.
1: Oh, okay.
0: I don't know. That's the same. I didn't make it up. That's just the same. Okay. Let's let's move ahead and talk about a commander's wide receiver that we feel like could potentially be poised for a breakout here in 2023. Ah, You think that we're talking about Terry McLaurin because he's never had an actual quarterback, but he's actually broken out in spite of never playing with anybody that's actually good at the quarterback position. I think that's my big fear with this question. How are we looking at a potential breakout wide receiver for a commander's For the Washington Commanders, understanding that Terry McLaurin, the guy that's been there, has been having an uphill battle his entire career. And now we think there's potentially more room for someone else. Spoiler alert. We're going to talk about Jahan Dotson. Jahan (laughs) Dotson is obviously the guy. You looked at what he did last year as a rookie, and he came on and he was fantastic. Seven targets four times last season. He was a top 30 wide receiver six different times. Six different times he was top 30 in spite of only having seven targets four times throughout the season. So he was efficient with his touchdowns, right? I guess you could look at the narrative, Liz, that maybe if the commanders are bad, this means there's going to be more passing volume that could lead to that. But how are you approaching Jahan Dotson? And do you think that a breakout season is potentially here?
1: I'm here for it. I, I, I love Dotson. He has some of the best hands in the league, not just his class. He's entering his second year, obviously. But like, This man managed a true catch rate above 81%, and he did that with Carson Wentz and friends under center last year. Right now, Vegas has the over under for uh, Dotson's receiving yard set at 795 and a half. I will take the over on that. I think that he's probably going to catch at least four balls per week. You made an excellent point about a team with like a projected win total of maybe six needing to throw from behind. No one is expecting Sam Howell to be efficient, right? But we are expecting Dotson and his incredible ability in contested situations. Plus his like elusiveness after the catch to pad some stats. I think he can average 14 yards per reception, which takes him comfortably assuming he catches these four balls per week, over 800 yards on the season. I like the breakout. My only issue with it is that other people do too, Uh. (laughs) and so his ADP is a little bit inflated.
0: Isn't that the way it always works, where it's like you're not the only one on a person, so it doesn't – got to find a league where someone's just not listening to any of these podcasts, and they really are just like fantasy baseball fans, and they're like, I'll give fantasy football a try. You know? Sure. I, I, I look at this too, Liz, and I see a spot where Commander's point differential last year, minus 22. Right? That was 21st in the NFL. So like we talked about, if they're going to be down, right, the division that they're in has the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys, who I both think are going to be substantially better teams than the Washington Commanders. The New York Giants should still at least put up a fight from that perspective. It feels like the Commanders are going to have another uphill battle this year. So yeah, the narrative street kind of fits. If you're looking for a, a cheaper wide receiver to target during drafts that could have a potential breakout season – based on the way that the year is going to go for this team, why not have it be Jahan Dotson who showed us what he can do with those sticky mitts in his rookie season? I think that's a great way. And I think sticky mitts came from you. Where did I, I saw an article that you wrote, and I believe I stole sticky mitts from you, so I don't want to, like, take that as my own. Is that fair?
1: I- I'm sure I wasn't the first, like, football professional to use the phrase sticky mitts. I, I was probably employed, like, in the 1940s in a newspaper somewhere.
0: That's real the, cool. That's <laughs> fine, but the first time I saw it, Liz Loza did it, so that's how it's going to start for me. That's the Thank origin you. story. Uh, all right, we're going to talk about a few more, guys, when we come back. But first, a few words from our sponsors. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. When it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help, like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with your homeowner's or renter's coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways that you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Take your shot at huge wins with DraftKings Sportsbook. You're to win big money with money lines, props, parlays, and more. Right now, new customers can score $150 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5 on anything. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code FFF. That's code FFF only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope ny four six seven three six nine. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races, all games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resorts in Kansas, 21-plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See draftkings.com slash sportsbook for details. And state-specific, responsible gaming. Resources, bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com/slash/baseball terms. I should have had a glass of water for after that read because that was a lot. Liz, really quickly, while I take a minute to catch my breath, do you have any articles that have come out this week or things that we can promote for people to go find on dot com? Um,
1: well, I had a pressing question series that was. Posted in June and the beginning of this month. But, you know, we always have the WNBA fantasy uh, content that's been popping now that the WNBA is out of the all-star break. Um, so that, that's available on all of the, uh, on the, on the interwebs, on the, on the dot com.
0: On the dot com, yeah. Uh, we are doing mock drafts all over the place right now within ESPN Fantasy as well. I just had an article come out earlier this week about my Ooh. favorite way to do fantasy drafts. Spoiler alert, snake drafts are out. Everything's about salary cap drafts. Salary cap drafts are so Um, much more fun than snake drafts. Let's just be honest about it. Go and head over to ESPN Fantasy in order to check that out if you're looking for ways to be able to shake up your league. I think it's a really fun way to do it. That's just me.
1: Wait, I have a question for you about salary cap. Bring it. I agree with you, but I hate doing a salary cap that is not live.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You right? can't. Like, you've got to be in person. It's like, and here's the mm-hmm. thing. The draft is going to be three to four hours because that's the way that salary cap drafts work. But if you go into it with that expectation, it doesn't feel like a slog. It's just fun. I'm telling you. You make it a oh, whole-day yeah. party event. That's what it's all about.
1: That, but you have to commit to that because I've done some of them, like, online, by yourself. And it's not nearly as funny. And you also just don't get a feel for, like, who's – targeting who and what, where everybody's money is shifting. I used to do a high stakes one in Vegas and we'd fly out to Vegas every year and it was so much fun. Maybe we should, uh, now that the pandemic is like over, Oh my God, did I say that? Am I going
0: to get in trouble? Oh, gosh.
1: Um, anyway, I don't know. Um, but maybe we could, uh, we could do some team building and do like a live salary. Cap draft together.
0: Liz, if you need me to fly to Las Vegas to draft a fantasy football (laughs) team with you, I guess I will do that. With me. Fine. Okay. Fine. You've talked me into (laughs) it, I guess. All right, let's keep moving on, talking about some more big of the, the biggest fantasy questions that we have. Here's one that I'm really excited about. Question is, will Justin Herbert return to top five QB status with Kellen Moore? calling plays I have some feelings about this Liz but I want to let you take the floor first are you in on Justin Herbert taking the step after what was a pretty abysmal season last year
1: So I am here for the rebound and I am targeting him if I'm looking for value at quarterback all over the place. But top five is going to be really tough to crack because that means he's going to have to beat out Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, and Joe Burrow, potentially Justin Fields, depending. I know you don't like that, but those are like the top six guys on consensus. So if you think Justin Herbert can, you know, sneak his way past burrow and fields then maybe i do think however he can rebound into like that top eight Mm. seven top seven to eight range
0: i think that's very fair i think uh, the idea for him to be able to do top five is going to be such a jump for him and it's not that he doesn't have the weapons or now the potential setup with kellen moore to be able to have that but based on how much he uses his legs or how little he uses his legs versus on how those other quarterbacks go. in front of him do use their legs, here are some positive stats I want to throw out there for our listeners. Cowboys offense under Kellen Moore. So we're talking about the new offensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Chargers. While he was the OC for the Dallas Cowboys, the Cowboys were top five in the NFL in net yards per attempt, yards per play, passing yards per game, yards per game, first downs per game, and third down conversion percentage. So they're staying on the field. At top five clip uh, based on third downs, extending drives. They have more first downs per game than almost any other team in the league. The number of yards per game, almost 400 yards per game. Now you move to this offense with Justin Herbert, who I definitely think is a better passer than Dak Prescott. Don't come at me for that. And I think the weapons that he has and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, I know Joshua Palmer didn't take the next step, but I still think he's a fine wide receiver for, got Quinton Johnston as well as a rookie here. Yeah, there you go. And that doesn't even mention Austin Eckler, who is still an incredible pass catcher in his own right out of the backfield. There is just a lot to be able to love about Justin Herbert within this new passing offense. Now – My question was, last year, Herbert averaged 8.7 rushing yards per game last season. 8.7 yards per game with his legs. How many times he's been averaging 58 attempts per season on the ground? How many times has a quarterback in the last 10 years had at least 58 rush attempts and where did they finish? The last time you had a quarterback that didn't rush at least that much, and Justin Herbert was one of the lowest ones to be that high, was Tom Brady. Tom Brady did that in 2021. He only had 28 rush attempts. So, like we're expecting, he's going to have more than Tom Brady. But Tom Brady, in order to do that, in order to finish in this spot that we're talking about, threw over 5,300 yards and 43 touchdowns. When you don't use your legs the way that those guys at the top of the list do, you've got to throw 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns in order to break into that category. And that's just not something that everybody can do. I mean, even with the way that this is set up, Justin Herbert could absolutely throw for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. But that's not a given to me. And I think that's a much harder thing for do, to do within fantasy than it is for one of these other guys to use their legs to be able to, propen, to propel them up that quarterback value because of their rushing legs. So I said a lot of stuff there, but I think I'm with you because of the lack of rushing upside that Justin Herbert has. He would just have to have a monumental season to be from a passing perspective in order to vault up into that top five category.
1: I agree. I think he's probably going to see around 4,500 passing yards and 30 touchdowns. It would be a little insane to expect like 5,040. If he does that, congratulations, because I still think he's going at a value. Everybody is still, you know, a little bit miffed that he didn't ROI on last year's draft capital, but that's largely because he was hurt and had that rib cartilage issue in week two. Played through the pain. If you look at his stats over the course of the season, they steadily improved his completion percentage, improved pretty drastically over the last seven weeks of the season once he was healed up. So I think there's an improvement there. And I love everything you had to say about Kellen Moore. I think that this is going to be a great fit. Last stat I want to add to that is that Dak Prescott averaged 8.4 air yards per throw when Uh, Which was 6% above the league average uh, in 2018 and 2019 before Mike McCarthy came and like threw cold water on everything. So I I agree with you. The um, lack of rushing upside. I think, keeps Herbert outside of the top five, but certainly a rebound opportunity and lean into everybody who are, who, who's like, I don't like him, all those burnt takes. Um, recency bias is a heck of an influence, and if you can avoid it, then you could get some
0: value here. Dude, I'm totally with you. The idea that Justin Herbert might be falling down because he doesn't run as much, I totally get, right? But to me, that's a discount that I'm willing to jump on. That's good value because I still think he's going to, like you said, 4,500 yards and 30 touchdowns is nothing to shake a stick at. I still don't understand what that, like, turn of phrase means. But I know that that's what people use it for. And it's like, that. I would take that any day of the week. 4,500 yards and 30 touchdowns if I'm drafting my quarterback. I'm in on that. So,
1: Daniel, we need to do an etymology podcast. Do you know what etymology is?
0: No, I think it's where words, where phrases come from, but I was in as soon as you said, we need to do it. I was like, yes, Liz, we do, whatever it is.
1: All right, etymology podcast, uh, we'll talk about onomatopoeias and all of it.
0: Does dynamicism come up in that one, or is that a different... Dynamism, 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 dynamism. okay, all right. Does, uh, does Jackson Smith in Jigba offer any dynamism within this oh. Seattle Seahawks offense, knowing That you still got two other fantastic wide receivers in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett still there. How are you approaching JSN as a rookie this year?
1: Oh my gosh, I love this kid's upside, but I don't love his potential immediate opportunity. Uh, Let's just like give a little small primer on his talent out of Ohio State. First round pick for a reason squeaky clean routes, like 99th percentile agility. He is definitely projected to play the slot. That's where he played 88% of his snaps when he was a Buckeye. Problem is, as you mentioned, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, Tyler Lockett, by the way, coming off of quite a year in which he was undervalued last year, particularly with Geno Smith under center, right? Like, I don't think that unless mostly Lockett, let's be honest, is injured. JSN is going to have the volume to capitalize. So if you are drafting him, you are drafting him for the upside. You see the potential, which is 100% unequivocally there. But I don't really like to root for an injury, especially to a player like Tyler Lockett, who I've been high on since he was drafted. And that took a while because of injuries to turn over. So that is the like rub. So I think if you're, if you're relying on JSN to immediately produce, then, Y'all, I'm sorry, you got to recalibrate those thoughts. I'm totally with you. you are ready to see what happens, like, JSN could end up, if the wrong thing happens to the squad, he could end up a top 25 producer, but I don't want to root for that.
0: Right. And and based on where I'm drafting him right now, again, a lot of this is rookie hype. And by the time that you get this rookie hype and you get into draft seasons, it's like, that's just too too rich for me. Tyler Lockett, Mm. listen, Tyler Lockett turns 31 in September, okay? DK Metcalf is the guy that we talk about as the pass catcher in Seattle. Tyler Lockett has at least eight receiving touchdowns and has finished top 16 at the position for five consecutive years. Five straight years, he's had at least eight touchdowns or been top 16. That's crazy. That is unbelievably efficient. And when you're talking about, like, okay, DK is the one that we we talk about, and we don't even mention how good Tyler Lockett has been consistently – over that time. So, yeah, you look at JSN and it's like maybe towards the second half of the year. Maybe when you have some players that are missing time, right? Like, that's when he's going to become value to me, valuable to me. But that first half of the season, it feels like the Seahawks are going to keep doing what they did last year. By the way, they drafted a running back that they probably want to use and run the ball a little bit as well in Zach Charbonnet. But I think I'm, I'm with you. My, my concern on Jackson Smith and Jigba is, again, with where he's going. The rookie hype that surrounds these wide receivers it's going to be too rich for me based on when I think production will come, which would likely be in the later half of the season, based on players missing time or potentially someone getting hurt so that's a lot sort of, of
1: wish casting going uh, on, Yes. I agree with you, a lot of wish casting totally happening and like the and and like by the way, he's still going to be the Seahawks' number three receiver to start the league. But you mentioned Zach Charbonnet. You mentioned the backfield. We know, as we said last week, right? Pete Carroll, say it with me, proclivity towards running the ball is a real thing. The Seahawks utilized three wide receiver sets on 62.5% of their passes. That was the sixth lowest rate in the league last year. Now, maybe a player like JSN ups that a little bit, but not enough to, um, to, to validate where he's being drafted right now.
0: Who was the Seahawks? I'm gonna put myself on the hot seat here. Who was the Seahawks' third wide receiver last year? Because I don't—it it wasn't anyone close to JSN, right? No. So no.
1: I, I mean, they did utilize like their their like Noah Fant is like a jumbo receiver, yeah. right? But he was thrown in, and then um, oh, I can see his number, but I can't. Re- I think he played for San Francisco, and I'm blanking on his name.
0: Well, we had Dwayne Eskridge uh, that was there as well, uh, Marquise Goodwin. Yeah.
1: There you go, Marquis, good one. I
0: mean, those names are not names where it's like, yeah, I definitely want to run three wide receiver sets because this third wide receiver is definitely right. going to make defenses keen on this guy. Jackson Smith and Jigba could be a difference maker when it comes to that point with the way that they utilize him with those other guys. But you know, it's just we're looking at the situation here. I'm looking at the situation, and that's how it feels like it's going to break out. Also, sixth, sixth fewest, is that what you said? Uh,
1: sixth, yeah. Gosh. Uh, in three, ran three wide receiver sets, sixth lowest rate in the league last year at the sixth lowest rate in the league I don't last think year.
0: Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to immediately jump into that number two wide receiver spot. So that number has got to raise if I'm going to feel confident about being able to use him in fantasy. Yep. All right. Is there a sneaky sleeper that you see on the Saints roster? We were going back and forth over email. I know we mentioned a player uh, that we were both kind of high on, but I think there's a few guys that we can mention here in New Orleans. Obviously we're waiting to figure out what happens with Alvin Kamara. And if there's a suspension that gets held handed down from the NFL but with all of this uncertainty here, is there somebody that you potentially like in this offense from a fantasy perspective?
1: I mean, yeah, but they're both hurt right now, uh, yeah. and so uh, like Kendra Miller is a is a is a running back drafted in the third round, similar skill set to Jamal Williams. Frankly, um, he's but he's like seven years younger. He managed seventy four. Forced missed tackles, which was the third most in the FBS last year at TCU. So you can kind of see the um alignment with Williams in terms of skill set. Problem is, uh, the Saints placed him on the active non-football injury list on Tuesday, which was yesterday, since we're recording today on Wednesday.
0: Oh, cool. It's
1: not great as a rookie heading into the season. Also, like you know, Alvin Kamara's legal situation seems less dire than it did a couple of weeks ago. Now that he's pled guilty, he's going to face a misdemeanor charge rather than a felony charge. And obviously, that's a much lower uh, criminal classification. And so the suspension would, if we're following the the logic there, would be, if he were to even receive one, uh, much shorter than previously anticipated were he facing a felony charge. So now there's like less opportunity for Miller. I was really high on him initially, but between the injury and Kamara's situation, I'm I'm not as excited for right now.
0: I'm with you on that, and it's tough because I love Jamal Williams and everything he did for my Lions last year. But when I look at this offense, the Lions were in the red zone so much last year. They had 51 goal-to-go opportunities, and obviously we know what Jamal Williams did with that opportunity last year when the Lions were inside the five. The the Saints were not that same kind of offense last year, and I don't think there's an expectation that they're going to be that kind of offense again this year. So without that pass-catching ability, you know, if you cut Jamal Williams' touchdowns in half, which seems like an easy thing to be (laughs) able to do. Great, I'll take it. (laughs) Like, yeah, you would still be thrilled if that's what he got. I'm just not sure he's even going to get that many touchdowns with the way this offense is going to work. So another running back room that's kind of tough to suss out right now, and we're going to have to see – how things sort of play out over training camp as we get closer to the season because I think there are a few guys here that, you know, Kenner Miller is a great name. I also really love – let's talk about Rashid Shahid, right? Mm-hmm. He came on last year and was absolutely fantastic. Wide receiver one in points per target from week six on. Wide receiver one in points per target. That's unreal. He was top 10 in points per reception over that same range with a minimum of 50 targets. This kid came out of nowhere and I think really quietly put up a really nice season that we should be taking notice of because this would be really cheap, basically free, late-round value, and he showed us what the upside can be.
1: Yeah, I love that you mentioned him and you use the phrase out of nowhere because legit undrafted <laughs> out of Weber State, the big sky conference, that's this dude um, – a little background on the player. He's a fast guy. He was a, a track star. Interestingly, he never ran the 40 because he was rehabbing an injury at the time of the combine. So he never ran the 40, but it is anticipated based on like practice. And you beat Jamal Dean and like practice a couple of times, the cornerback. So it's estimated that he has like a 4 4 40 time. So w- that's what we know about this player's skill set. He's like, he's a track guy. He's a fast guy. He's also dealing with a groin injury. And I get a little bit uncomfortable. When the soft tissue stuff and speed guy, well, true, that's not my groin, but um, when like these speed guys have soft tissue problems, like I'm a little bit, but again, you mentioned the value and what he did last year. I think it's a little bit unsustainable. Week 13 is when he jumped into the starting lineup officially and over his final five games, all of which were starts, he converted. 20 of 23 looks for an average of nearly 65 yards per game. That's great. So to me, yeah, that is crazy. Like, I don't think that's sustainable. I think over more games, you're going to have some variance there. But he might be one of my favorite drumbeat candidates on the season.
0: I love that. I love calling him a drumbeat candidate because it depends on how deep your league is. There are going to be some leagues that, like, no matter how much we like this guy, it's like, it's just not deep enough to be able to take a, target, a, dart shot, a dart throw on this guy until he starts to produce from, you know, a more consistent level. But if I'm in a 12-team league, if I'm in a 14-, 16-team league, and I want to take some shots at guys that I think have a real opportunity, just, just file Rashid Shaheed away into that bucket. That's all we're saying. Absolutely. Right? All right. We got one more topic to talk about in one second. But first, one more read from our sponsor. We all know about the speed of sound, but have you ever thought about the sounds of speeding? If you drive over the speed limit, there are lots of different sounds that you might hear. Drive too fast and you could hear the sound of your vehicle crashing, the sound of ambulances and first responders desperately trying to free you from the wreckage. You could hear the heart you could hear the beeps of a heart monitor. You could hear the doctors and nurses in an emergency room as you're being treated for injuries. You could hear the sound of worried family members in the hospital waiting room, hoping to hear that you're okay. You can even hear the sound of people crying at a funeral. Because if you drive over the speed limit, whether by a little or by a lot, you can do damages beyond repair. You could seriously injure yourself, or worse, you could hurt or kill someone else. When you speed, you put everyone on the road in danger. One way or another, speeding catches up to you. Paid for by Nitsa. All right, Liz Loza, we are going to make our way through Madden's top 10 wide receiver rankings because why not? Because it's always fun to think about these guys as video game characters. When we watch them on the field, they do superhuman stuff as it is anyway. So we have this list. I don't know if we can throw it up onto the screen, but we have the list of the top 10 wide receivers based on rating from Madden. Right now, Justin Jefferson comes in as number one overall with a 99 rating. Tyree Kill is two with a 98. And Devontae Adams is third with a 97. Liz, let's just talk about those top three. Do you have any problems with this top three right here that Madden has put together?
1: Not really. I mean, the fact that Stefan Diggs and Devontae Adams are just like a point apart makes a lot of sense to me. I think Diggs is, you know, the best route runner in the league. But what Adams does off the line of scrimmage is incredible, so...
0: You know, at number, I, don't
1: have, I don't have issue there.
0: We got Diggs at four, like you said. Cooper Cup comes in at five, rated as a 96. Jamar Chase at six. Now, wow. There, like this is potentially the second best up-and-coming wide receiver in the game. And he checks in as six here. Seven is DeAndre Hopkins. Eight is Terry McLaurin. I mean honestly That's a little sus. That, that's that's high for me. <laughs> AJ Brown at nine with a ninety-one and then Amari Cooper at ten. All right, Liz, like Cooper cup on down. Give me some thoughts here on what you think about these wide receivers, because I got plenty.
1: Well, I, so rather than focus on the negative, I would just, I have to imagine when DK Metcalf saw this list, he would like a word DK Metcalf with his 99th percentile spark score. And I, I'm guessing it's only, it's because he only scored six touchdowns last year, which was a down effort for him that he got left off the top 10 CD lamb. That's a humble guy, right? <laughs> I'm sure he's a little bit peeved that this list, uh, he's coming off of a career campaign, right? Over a hundred catches uh, over 1300 yards, nine touchdowns. He averaged three yards after the catch per target CeeDee Lamb did. So I have to imagine that he's also like what, uh, over Amari Cooper, his former teammate. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I think CeeDee Lamb's a little pissed about that one. Uh, and then, you know, I thought maybe if there was a consolation, uh, Amon, Ross, St. Brown, Consolation? How dare you, you
0: Dirty Bears fan? I
1: did it for you. I did it for you. Look at that. I mentioned him. I mean, did you really think he deserves to be on the top 10, though? Like, let's get... We're we're losing McLaurin and uh, Amari Cooper and subbing in Metcalf and Lamb, right? You're not going to put...
0: Oh. The sun
1: got ahead of one of those guys. Are you really? No,
0: I'm not. But I'm glad that you mentioned it. All right. Because I actually rewrote my list. I wrote this list out. Oh, great. Okay. So I've got at the top one. And mind you, we're talking like Madden players too. But one, Justin Jefferson makes a ton of sense. Two, Tyreek Hill, everything he brings. T- get it. Makes a ton of sense. Three, DK Metcalf. Mar. Okay. Okay. DK Metcalf is a, is a... Otherworldly human at the wide receiver position, six foot three. Yeah. His speed in Madden is so huge. He is a game breaker, unlike some of these other guys. So I've got DK as number three. Jamar Chase number four for me. Cooper Cup number five. It's hard to argue with moving Cooper Cup much farther down that list. Here's where number six, AJ Brown, needs to be higher. AJ Brown just needs to be higher on this list with everything that he does. Number seven, a guy that didn't even make this list, Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle should be so much oh, higher wow. on this list. Okay. Number eight is Devonte Adams, and here's why. I'm talking about Madden, right? I think Jalen Waddle is so much more fun to play with than Devonte Adams because Devonte Adams is a really good actual football player, but Jalen Waddle is like this guy that runs 99 speed and 99 acceleration, and you can juke with him all over the place, and he's just more fun to play with. At number eight is Devonte Adams. Number nine is Devonta Smith, and ten checks in Amon Ross St. Brown for me. So he just barely squeaks in at the top 10 with CeeDee Lamb at 11. And Amari Cooper quite a ways down that list with Terry McLaurin. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like that's that was shocking to me.
1: Let, let me give you a quick Amon Ross St. Brown stat that I think you're going to like. Uh, he has caught... Uh, he has caught 196 balls over 33 games with just four drops. Per our friends at RotoWire, wire only seven players have caught more passes than St. Brown since he was drafted in 2021.
0: That's, I mean, the dude is unreal. He is so much fun. He's the dude. I, I love yeah. being able to watch him. As a Lions fan, I'm pumped to be able to see what he continues to bring to the fantasy game and to my Detroit Lions. Let's be honest about that.
1: Next time, can All we right. rate Mario we Kart back. players? Say that one more oh. time. Next time, can we rank Mario Kart
0: players, though? Stop. Who's your number one? Oh, I like Toadie. <laughs> oh, really? Me. Okay. <laughs> I do. <laughs> All right. I'm a fan of Princess. I think she's my number oh, one. Oh, nice. Peach. Then, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Peach is number one. And then uh, Yoshi would probably be number two for me.
1: Oh, Yoshi's, Yoshi's underrated. I agree with you. Yeah. He's Very slippery.
0: underrated. Very underrated. All right. We are back next Thursday. Not next Wednesday. We've been Wednesdays. So we're going to be back next Thursday, next week. A reminder, we go daily July 31st at 11 a.m. Eastern. We will be live streamed everywhere. We cannot wait to come back. So pumped to be able to see you guys on a daily basis. For Liz, my name is Daniel. Follow her at Liz Loza underscore FF on Twitter. I am at Daniel Dopp on Twitter. At Something to Break on Instagram and threads. Please, I'm putting out a 75-day countdown. Go find me on social media. Having a ton of fun put together these videos, short videos, a minute, minute, 10 seconds for you to be able to catch up on what you've missed over the off season. Had a lot of fun doing it. All right, for everybody here, we love you guys so much. Don't forget to love each other. Thank you for hanging out with us. Please be kind to yourself. You've earned that. We love you. Can't wait to see you next Thursday. See ya. It's no secret, not a mystery. The one that we depend on for all our podcast needs. Graduate full-cell you, Alliance fan through and through.
1: With the hippest beard, I'm telling you, he's dead.